appreciate that. Well, I just want to begin by saying thank you so much for giving your heart to God in worship this morning. And now I want to thank you for staying. Uh, I've known people to leave after worship. I don't take it personal, but uh, uh, thank you for bringing the soil of your heart right now and allow, allowing God to sow some fresh seed into the, into the soil of your heart. Last week, uh, we started a new series. It'll probably, uh, I don't know for sure how long, but it'll probably go most of the summer. Uh, <clears throat> we've, we're calling it A Home for Your Heart. We kicked it off last week on Father's Day because we want to spend some time, some weeks talking about the importance of cultivating a relationship with the Heavenly Father. So much of Christianity focuses on us needing to embrace Jesus Christ in our life, and rightly so. But there are certain aspects of our salvation, certain aspects of our relationship with God that have to do with the Son, Jesus Christ. But there are other aspects of our pursuit of God and relationship with Him that have to do with the Holy Spirit. And there are, furthermore, aspects in our vibrant walk with God that have to do with us coming to live with the Father. Last week, I talked to you about it's, it's, there's one part, of the, one part of our salvation that has to do with Christ living in us. But last week, I showed you from Scripture that there is another aspect of our salvation that has to do with us coming home to live with our Father. And a lot of times, all the focus gets put upon inviting Christ into our lives. And so we, you know, we ask him to kind of hop on board with us, and then we go off and do whatever it is that we do in life, believing that Jesus is living inside of us. And that's, that's good, that's fine, but there is a whole other aspect to us knowing God when we see ourselves living in his house. It's not just him hooking up with us and, and we get to do whatever it is we do. It's about us coming to understand what it means to live in the Father's house. So today we want to continue that pursuit. I, I said here, I wrote this in my notes, <clears throat> We need all the God, all, all of the Godhead at work in us. It's an all hands on deck kind of approach. We need to, there's a reason why Jesus commissioned us to see people immersed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may remember, he said, I commission you. I, I, I tell you, go and make disciples of all people, baptizing, immersing them in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. God wants us completely saturated with every aspect of who he is. Now, someone might ask, what is to be gained by pursuing a healthy, meaningful relationship with the Heavenly Father. What is to be gained by that? 
And in one word, in one word, I would say this, security. Security. I'll say it again, security. I want you to listen. I don't have this for you on the screen because it's a little lengthy passage, but I want to read to you, and I hope, I hope in hearing these words from John in his little letter, 1 John chapter 4, you will begin to sense what I'm trying to say. Listen to what it says. We know that we live in him and he in us. That's what we talked about last week. It's not just about him living in us. It's about us living in him. So John says it this way. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. I, I want to, uh, I hope I'm not uh, uh, doing anything I'm not supposed to, but I want you, I want to replace the word God with Father. I want, I, want, I want you to hear this. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Father, then the Father lives in him and he in the Father. You okay with that? Listen to what he goes on to say. And so we know and rely on the love the Father has for us. Father is love. Whoever lives in Father and Father in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There is something in this passage that goes directly to the issue of security. God in us, us in him. And when we, when we see that in, in, in its depth, there should be a security that comes in our lives that we have no fear of anything. No fear of anything. I, God, the, he is in me and I live in him. I live in his house. Like we talked about the prodigal last week. He once lived at home with the father, but then chose to leave the father's house, go off and do his thing, but then he ended up coming back to live in the house of the father. Security, by definition, means the state or quality of being secure. So we need to have an understanding of what it means to be secure. I would suggest to you this morning, there are multiple dimensions to this idea of feeling or being secure. Let me just share with you some ways that we talk about it or think about it. 
Sometimes when we talk about someone or something being secure, it has to do with what I would call solidity, something being solid. For example, uh, today you came into this facility not worrying that it would fall down. At least I assume some of you uh, weren't worried about that. You came in here not having a worry, not having a concern. You know, is this building going to hold up while I'm inside of it? Now, some of us here today have probably been in buildings whether we wondered whether they would stay up while we were inside of them. In fact, all you got to do is take a little walk down to the old pavilion down back. And when you, go, when you see uh, the bracing that we have on our old pavilion, you wonder, should I go in underneath this or not? Because it doesn't look real secure, right? <clears throat> so there's a reason why uh, this building that we find ourselves in right now is secure. It's got a really good uh, foundation on it, has really a structurally really good roof over top of it. The walls are solid. And because of all of that, we can walk in here not having even a hint of feeling a sense of fear, right? Because it's solid. Solid. We even talk about people that way, right? We, we, we refer to people sometimes, ah, they're a rock-solid person, you know? We're usually referencing their character, you know, their makeup, if you will. They're a, they're a solid person. So sometimes when we think of security or we talk about security, it has to do with this idea of something being structurally or in the case of a person, in terms of their character, solid. But that's not the only way we think or talk about security. The other times we talk about it, we talk about it uh, in terms of feeling protected, right? A number of months back, uh, we, in light of things that are going on in the world, uh, some discussions started to be had about whether we should put in place a security team here in our church. A group of people who are looking out for the well-being of others that uh, might take certain steps in order to, for us to be more protected. You understand what I'm talking about, right? So, so that's not so much a structural issue as much as it is just feeling a general sense of protection when we are here in this place. So sometimes we talk about it one way, sometimes, oh, we, we, we call that team a security team, right? They are in place to create a general sense uh, that we are uh, being protected, right? Okay, so we talk about it in those ways. Another way that we talk about it is in terms of our material well-being, uh, uh, most of you have probably heard people talk about uh, job security. Anybody? You know, like, oh, well, how much job security do I have? What we mean when we talk about it in that way is that whatever way I'm deriving an income or resources are coming my way through a job, uh, how secure is that? And, there, and the reason we, we think about that or talk about that is because uh, all of us in this room have taken on financial responsibilities in one way or another. We have agreed to pay for something. Uh, and so we want to know that we have some financial 
uh, resources coming so that we can take care of the responsibilities that we have incurred, right? So we, we want to know in our lives, we want to know a sense of uh, material well-being. We want to we feel like there's some security in that part of our lives. But there's another way that we also talk about security, and I would call it our immaterial well-being. We have our material, our physical, if I can call it that, but there's also this area of feeling secure in the, in the immaterial part of who we are. Um, <clears throat> I've heard people say, uh, I feel safe around that person, Right? There's some people we feel safe around and other people we don't feel safe around. Some people we feel secure around, other people we don't feel so secure around, right? Have I got the right crowd? Yeah. All right, I'm just checking. I think you can all relate to that. And what we're saying in that moment is, is that when we are uh, with someone we feel secure with, we don't have a worry in life, right? We don't, we're not afraid of that person. We're not afraid of being rejected by them, so forth and so on. Now, uh, what we are all aiming for, I think, whether no matter what area of, of, of feeling secure we're talking about, what we're all aiming for is having a sense of uh, inside of us that things are just right. Just right. Whether it's walking in a facility, whether it's feeling protected uh, while in that facility, whether it's uh, having enough resources in our lives, whether it's having the right people around us, we want to create a sense in our world that things are just right. How many of you remember uh, the old children's story, Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Remember that one? Let me just reacquaint you with it if you forgot about it. Uh, Goldilocks finds herself uh, uh, going in the cabin of three bears. By the way, uh, bears don't live in cabins. It's a children's story. It's make-believe. So if you're, those of you who are here today who are literal thinkers, uh, you'll have to stretch a little bit with this one. So Goldilocks finds her way into the house of the three bears, right? And she's hungry. And so she notices there on the table are three bowls of porridge. And as the story goes, she tries one bowl, and one bowl was too hot. Remember? Then she tries another bowl, and it's too cold. Then she tries the third bowl, and it's just right, right? She goes to the chairs that the bears sit in. And by the way, bears don't sit in chairs. So just bear with me here. Bear with me. All right. So she goes to their chairs and she sits in the first chair. And as the story goes, I had to reread it this week. As the story goes, one chair was too big for her. She goes to the next chair. It was too little for her. But the third chair was... It's just right. She's feeling good about the third chair. But after eating the porridge and sitting for a little bit, she's feeling a bit tired. So she goes upstairs into the house, and she notices there are three beds there. By the way, bears don't sleep in beds. <laughs> just go with me on this one, all right? So Goldilocks is upstairs. She lays down in the first bed, and it's too hard. She lays down in the next bed, and it's too 
too soft, but she finds that the third bed is it's just right. And she falls asleep. She is secure. She is relaxed. Her belly is full from the just right porridge. She had a nice little time of relaxation in the chair that was just right for her. And now she finds herself fast asleep in a bed that was just right. I think that's what we're all shooting for in life. We want things to be just right. We want to feel secure. I submit to you this morning that what is to be gained by us pursuing a close relationship with our Heavenly Father is a sense of well-being in our lives that is just right. It's the relationship with the Father that enables us to have some sense of security in our hearts and lives. Now, why is that important? For two reasons. Number one, because by nature, we are insecure people. No amens. Got no amens on that. Number one, because by nature, we are insecure people. Number two, please hear this one. Number two, for us to best fulfill the purposes of God for our lives, we must live out of a sense of security. If you, if you and I live our lives out of insecurity, we will be making some bad decisions and will not be able to have the important, necessary Father God influence on other people in our lives. Now, I'm going to ask, please, for those of you who are here this morning who know that you are not an insecure person, I'm asking you, please don't check out on me right now. Some of you are saying, oh, I don't like all this babble and psycho babble and whatnot. I, you know... He, he's already, you know, he read from Scripture, then talked about Goldilocks and the three bears. Where is this whole thing going? Where is it going? Please don't. Please don't leave me right now. I'd like to look at this number one reason why we need to address this area of insecurity. Because by nature, by nature, by nature, we are insecure people. I want to take you back to the very beginning. Because in the very beginning, we see a picture is given to us of mankind living with, in the Father's house, I might add, living with God utterly secure in who they are. That's the picture that is painted for us in the beginning. They are walking with God in the garden with no worries, no insecurities about anything. That's the picture. 
the, 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 the verse that totally captures that the sense of where they were at in that moment is Genesis 2.25 that says, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This wasn't just about a matter of nudity. This was about the condition of where they were living in that moment. There was nothing to hide. There was no fear anywhere. And so they were totally secure in where they were at. You got it? Totally secure. They knew unbroken relationship with the Father. They knew unbroken relationship with each other. And they were, they were living in complete security. They were not only naked before each other, they were naked before God. Now we know that the story does not end there. That's how it starts, good start. But it, sadly, it didn't end there. Instead of, please hear me now, instead of remaining in the counsel and security of the Father's love, Instead of that, they chose to take the counsel and advice of another father. That's right, another father. That's what Jesus called him, the father of lies. In that moment... I don't, I don't think they probably knew it, but in that moment, like a lot of things that we do, we don't totally understand why we do those things, but in that moment, when they chose to reject their heavenly Father's counsel and embrace the counsel of another father, the results of that decision led them to becoming totally insecure. They went from complete security to becoming totally insecure. Now, how do I know that? Because the verse that captures that for us is Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 7, which reads, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Do you see it? They are trying to hide. Because of what? Fear. Fear. Let me translate that verse for you where it says, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I can translate that in just a few words. Mankind became totally insecure. They tried to deal with their insecurities on their own by patching together some leaves to give them a better sense of feeling secure. They tried to hide from God by using some bushes and some shrubbery. 
I say to us this morning, it didn't work back then. And the things that we do today to deal with our insecurities on our own don't work now. The end result of their decision led to them having to leave the father's house. They effectively, by their decision, did the same thing the prodigal son did. They left the covering and security of the father's house. Now, what's amazing is that even though they had rejected the very one who made them, the one who provided for them, the one who gave them purpose and meaning to their lives, even though they had rejected the father, the true father, he still demonstrated his love for them. We capture this the essence of it in Genesis 3.21, where it says, the Lord God, he said, those leave things you got there, that's not going to work real well for you. So it says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Remember, this father just got um, utterly rejected. They opted not to Take him at his word. They opted not to continue in that unchecked security. They rejected his counsel, his advice. He, they, uh, they disobeyed his command. But that father still in his love for them, provided for them at least some sense of security. And in doing that, it was a prophetic act that in order for them to ever know or to ever be able to get back into the Father's house, there would need to be a sacrifice. You don't get animal skins without killing the animal. You can't say to the goat, may I have your coat? And the goat goes ahead and keeps on living. Something had to die in order for them to find their a way to back to security again. And of course, we know that this points to the ultimate gate, to the ultimate door, of us finding our way back home to the Father was through Jesus Christ making the sacrifice He did in order for us to be able to go home to the Father, truly go home to the Father again. All of this was a, a temporary fix to give people some sense of security. Even though Adam and Eve in their decision chose to forfeit their position of being a son and daughter of the Heavenly Father, the Father was not willing, and I would say is not willing today, to be their Father. We may be, will we may be willing to stop being God's child, 
but he is not willing to stop being our father. That's really good news. You may reject him, but he will never, ever reject you. Now, somebody may be here right now thinking to themselves, what in the world does Adam and Eve's fall in the garden have to do with me and my life today? Adam is most often referred to as the father of our human race, the first one. And through Adam, you and I have inherited we have inherited, meaning in our human nature, this deficit in the area of security. We have inherited insecurity. Ain't no amens. I'm going to tell you, you have inherited insecurity. I have inherited insecurity. What you and I contend with is not just a result of what happened during our tutelage. What I didn't, did or did not get from my, mom, my earthly mom and dad. What you and I are battling in this world and in this life and the insecurities that we try to live with and we try to sow fig leaves together to deal with we didn't, we didn't, that didn't simply just come about because my parents were at a deficit in giving me what I need. You and I were born with these insecurities. We came out of the womb with these insecurities. A lack of being secure manifests itself in so many ways. I might also add that this is not just an unsaved problem. In other words, all of our issues of insecurities do not get immediately dealt with upon embracing Jesus Christ. I embraced Jesus when I was nine years old. Went to the altar, went to a little room in behind the altar, prayed the prayer, said the words, and I really believe that was my initial uh, step into following God. But I want to tell you, as a nine-year-old little boy, I walked out of that room with some insecurities. At 19 years old, a more meaningful choice and decision and step was taken for me to, uh, to embrace Christ in an adult kind of way. Do you know what I'm saying? You do it at the nine-year-old kind of way. And then at 19, there was a greater uh, understanding, I'll put it that way, of what it meant to follow God with my life. And so a, another prayer was prayed, and some more words were said. But I just want to tell you, at 19 years old, I walked away from that moment, and I knew I still had insecurities. And I could tell you that over the years, 
between 19 and 63, there have been many prayers prayed. There have been much kneeling before God of saying, Lord, take my life and let it be. Holy consecrated, Lord, to thee. And I can tell you I meant it. I can tell you that I, I have an understanding of what it means to embrace the Son. I have an understanding of what it means to embrace the Holy Spirit. I think I know an inkling of what it means to live in my Father's house. But do you know what I've discovered? Is that every time I get up from those prayers, I still have some insecurities falling along. There they are again. There, yep, they're still there. Because we were born insecure. You know, last week we talked about primarily the younger son in that story, story of him leaving home. But did you know the story? There's an older son who had been living in the father's house but was completely insecure. Well, you never did that for me. What is he battling? He's battling insecurity. The younger son was simply battling it in a different way. I want to talk to you in closing this morning about different ways that you and I manifest um, these insecurities in our lives. Now, I do not have time because the manifestation of this matter in all of our lives is so, um, it's, it's, it's a big subject, right? It's a, there, are, there are countless ways that we exhibit these this lack of security in our lives. But I wanna, what I want to highlight to you this morning is just like uh, Goldilocks found the one porridge to be too hot and the other porridge to be too cold, it seems to me like when it comes to these uh, matters of security in our lives, we're either, we, we either go in the too hot direction or we end up going in the too cold direction, right? In other words, the, the, it can be manifested in numerous ways, of which, like I said, I don't have time to touch on all of them this morning. So I put together uh, some visual ways for you to understand how some of these things come out in our lives, how they leak out, they bleed out. You know, you can, you can sew all the fig leaves together you want. You can, even, you can even throw an animal skin on here or there. But I'm telling you, these insecurities in our heart and life are going to find their way leaking out. They will. Number one, I'm calling one of the ways that these insecurities can get manifested in our life are what I'm calling the shrinking violet way. Shrinking violet. You might want to take notes right now. It'll be helpful for you. Shrinking violet way. Now, I had to look up this idiom uh, to understand what that meant. But I knew I'd heard it before. Uh, heard it in reference to someone. 
Uh, but I found out that violets don't actually shrink. They, you know, they, there's some flowers that come out and then they go back, come out, go back, come out. Violets don't do that. What I found out was the reason they're given that name is that they are relatively little flowers that grow close to the ground and are otherwise passed over for the more flamboyant kind of flowers, right? So we say, we might say about the, uh, someone, they are a shrinking violet. What's that mean? It's a way that we describe someone who is shy or withdrawn. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, uh, they're just uh, uh, there, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're scared to uh, come out, if you will, right? They're, they're, they're like, uh, we got, uh, you know, some flamboyant flowers. You know, they're not like that. They, they have a way of... Of, of, you know, shrinking. Uh, <clears throat> people who's, who deal with insecurities in this way, uh, you know, when they're put in certain situations, especially where they feel uncomfortable or they feel like, uh, oh, what's going on? There's no control here. Uh, they will get really small. They will go small. You understand what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, we call them shy people. Oh, they're shy. They're... they're uh, they're that, those kind of people. So one of the ways, one of the ways insecurities can pop up in somebody's life is they withdraw, right? They pull away. They're, they're, they don't feel safe. They don't feel comfortable in certain circumstances. So they, you know, they just pull back. They shrink a little bit. Shrinking, violent. But that's not the only way that our insecurities get manifested. The second one I'd like to uh, uh, point out to you is I'm calling it the clinging vine. Clinging vine. These are folks that battle insecurities in their lives, and they have to be constantly, constantly seeking reassurance in relationships, right? They're, 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 they, the, uh, uh, you know, they, they're excessive, when it comes to uh, touching base with you and, and making sure, and they don't like it when somebody else uh, happens to you, so you have some other friends maybe in your world, in your life, this particular person, your sphere of influence, uh, is constantly checking in on where they're at in relationship with you. They're, they, they're, they're clinging. I don't know how else to say it. They're clinging. Their, their insecurities make them feel like They've got to constantly be assessing where they're at in the relationship. And so they're just always there. They're always there. And, uh, uh, you know, just can't handle the thoughts of being alone. Number three. Number three I'm calling the Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Today was meant to be a trip down uh, memory lane in terms of children's stories. So, Mary Poppins. I don't know how many of you remember this scene. Does anybody know Mary Poppins? Okay. If you're 50 or older, you may remember it. But in the movie Mary Poppins, uh, Mary Poppins is given the care of some children. And on one scene in the movie, 
she's talking with a couple of the children there that she's given care, charge over or care over, and she decides to measure them. Anybody remember the scene? And she measures the kids. She has a, one of those uh, like sewing tape measures, not like a, um, a hard, rigid tape measure, but soft tape measure. And she, marries the, she measures the little boy. And in the movie, she turns, and on the tape measure, uh, let me read to you exactly what it says. I don't want to state it wrongly. It says, about the little boy, she measured his height. And on the tape measure, it says, extremely stubborn and suspicious. That's what it says. So <clears throat> she reads, uh, so then she measures the girl. She measures the girl who's a little taller. She measures the girl, pulls the tape measure away, and she says, it says about the girl, doesn't put things away. Right? And so the kids say, well, you know, what's it say for you? So Mary Poppins measures herself. Does anybody know what it says? This is what it says. Practically perfect in every way. You know, there, there are some people that deal with their insecurities by presenting themselves as practically perfect in every way. People like this... Uh, uh, can make you feel less than. And that's the point. The point of the whole exercise is that they have to make themselves feel that way in order to feel secure about who they are. There is no airing of any dirty laundry. Do you know what I'm talking about? They would never tell you they got some problems because the presentation is I'm practically perfect in every way. That's not true. That's a fig leaf. That is a fig leaf to try to cover what we got going on, the Mary Poppins approach. Number four, way that we manifest insecurity in our lives is I'm calling the disagreement machine. People who are insecure end up manifesting their insecurity by trying to show how smart they are and be sure to point out the flaws of other people. Now, I know none of you are like that in here. That I, I know that the people out there that aren't here today, you know, they... This person, these, these folks that battle security issues in this way have a very difficult time accepting other people's point of view.
Only at Pioneer. Only, only at Pioneer. Only here. And if I was, if I was battling severe insecurity in this moment, I wouldn't be able to laugh about it. A person who exhibits insecurity in this way only feels comfortable if they are disagreeing with others, putting others down to elevate themselves. And when you bump up against folks like this, you usually come away feeling like that person is defensive, arrogant. Remember I said to you in the very beginning, if we're going to be effective at accomplishing the purposes and plans of God for our lives, and if, I'm not saying a person's not saved, I'm not saying, they may be in complete relationship with God positionally, but if people are battling insecurities and that's the way they're coming off to other people, that does not help the kingdom of God. You see, one of the things, I touched on this last week, one of the things that made Jesus so incredibly effective is that he never battled insecurity. He didn't inherit what you and I inherited. So as he went about dealing with these situations, people were attracted to him because he didn't come off in ways that you and I come off. You get it? This isn't about me just being able to have a better sense of well-being about my life. This is about how Christ gets reflected out of me to other people. And I'm suggesting to us this morning that this area of understanding how we benefit from living in the Father's house goes greatly to this matter of how our lives end up getting disseminated to those around us. One final way that, and this isn't, I just said to you in the beginning, there's no way I could talk to you about all the different ways that stuff gets, kind of leaks, leaks out of us, but another way, and I'm, I'm trying to show you this morning that it's just not the shy person who has got a problem, a security issue. It, it, it can manifest itself in, so, in such a variety of ways, but finally, one, one of the ways that this can leak out in our life is becoming an unrelenting people pleaser. I love the picture that Pastor Josh picked out for that, where this gentleman's down at the floor, you know, polishing someone else's shoes. Unrelenting people pleasers wind up making bad decisions because in the end, they can't, they can't stand up for what they, how they truly feel or what they truly believe because they can't... Con- I, I know because this is one of the things I battle. It's, it, it, I, can't, I can't withstand whatever rejection might come if somebody says, well, I didn't like that or I don't like you or whatever. And so you, you find yourself on a, this treadmill of making sure that you're constantly keeping people 
happy around you. Now, again, I know none of you are like that. It's for, you know, give this tape or this message to all the folks you know that are out there that need to hear it. For For an unrelenting people pleaser, rejection is your kryptonite. These are only a smattering of ways that that our insecurities end up getting manifested and leak out of us. Sometimes we're too hot. Sometimes we're too cold. Sometimes we're too big. Sometimes we're too small. Sometimes we're too soft. Sometimes we're too hard. And what I'm trying to suggest to us is that if you and I really dig into and embrace what it means to live in the Father's house, and we pursue a, 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 a meaningful relationship with our Heavenly Father, not just His Son, Jesus Christ, not just the Holy Spirit, but really, really understanding and really comprehending and really going after what it means to be a son or daughter of the Father. I'm telling you, it will help us find our way to that just right place. That place where our our soul feels secure, regardless of what's going on around us. There's some sense of well-being and security inside of us. And then how that filters out of us. We're not being too hot. We're not being too cold. We're being just right. And as I said to you a moment ago, that's what made Jesus so effective. Because he wasn't battling the things that you and I battle through. Everybody okay? Does any of it make sense? Just right. Why don't you stand and we'll pray. I just want to say to anybody who may be here today that uh, that you know in your heart you may not be at home with your heavenly father you just know you're not spending your days in pursuit of that relationship I just want to say to you this morning I was speaking with somebody before the service started today and they were telling me that Last Sunday was very difficult for them because they're not in a good relationship with their father. And they went on to share some of the things that their father has said to them, even in recent years as an adult. And I want to tell everybody in here this morning that may be wondering about how your heavenly father sees you, that I just want to say to you, your heavenly father loves you. 
And even though you may not have been in hot pursuit of him as your father, maybe you made some choices in your life that have, that, that have caused you not to be able to live in a, in a meaningful relationship with him. I just want to say to you, he is there waiting for you to come home. Even though you maybe didn't want to be his son or daughter, he has not stopped wanting to be your father. And he loves you beyond your wildest understanding of what that means. So I encourage you to come home. I encourage you to come into the embrace of your father's arms. Let him run to you. Let him hold you. Let him hug you. Let him bring you into his house and throw a feast for you and make you feel secure in his home. But I also realize that I'm talking to a bunch of people this morning who probably know you already live in the Father's house. But just because you live in the Father's house does not mean you don't have battles with insecurity. Today, I'm inviting you to be honest about that stuff. I'm inviting you to quit trying to sow fig leaves for yourself. Quit trying to be somebody you're not. And just find a place where you are secure in your Father's love. We read in the very beginning, when, we, when you and I experience, truly experience the Father's heart, His love for us, it totally drives fear out of our lives. And I wish this morning, I wish some prayer that I could pray would totally dispel all of, all of the fears from our hearts and lives. I wish, I, I really wish that. But my experience is, it's in me taking the responsibility to find out who my father is and what it means to live in his house. Lord, here we stand naked before you you see it all. You see through any kind of artificial coverings we have tried to make. We are, you, you see us better, way better than we see ourselves. And we start with this premise, warts and all, 
insecurities and all, you love us with an unfailing love. I pray that you would impregnate us with that revelation. So that the first hiding that is stopped is hiding before you, trying to hide from you. As if some little bushes that we erect, as if some fake shrubbery that we put out in front of us would actually keep you from seeing who we are. Lord, heal us. Heal us. Heal us from our original infection. And help us to get real secure in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.